This is Nicole Leemaster, podcast Coleology, a consciousness podcast, and I have Enrique Collazo um, on the line with me, and he has a past from the deep suffering of addiction to the life of dedicated that he's dedicated to service. Enrique is now a Buddhist meditation teacher and a public speaker working with youth all around the country, assisting in social and emotional learning. And my podcast is kind of based on a free association conversation with um, people who are doing work in the world that are moving me to be a better person or inspiring me in some way or continuing to press the growth boundaries of how to be a better human. And um, I've reached out to people in the community that I see doing work in the world that inspires me to continue to be a better person. And Enrique and I are just acquaintances. We uh, met through Correct me if I'm wrong, but I think the only way we actually know each other out in the world is through dance. Is that correct? Yeah, I believe so. Yeah, and um, and then Facebook, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. So um, I'm kind of kind of just invite you to kind of start wherever you would like to start, and we'll just see where this conversation goes. like to hear, uh, because I think I know a little bit of challenge day about challenge day because of my practicum. I did work at Westlake and in Oakland. And so I got to be part of challenge day. And I think what you guys are doing is amazing. And I don't even know if it's, I mean, it's a pretty big program. It's nationwide, correct? Yes. Um, but I don't feel like most people who I mentioned it to still know about it. So if you, if you want to talk a little bit about that and what, that's actually doing, that would be wonderful. And then I'm also, um, would love to talk about, um, how the eightfold path, if you can just touch on that, that briefly, or you can go more in depth with it, or maybe this will be another podcast, like where you can touch on it and then go deeper, um, how that's helped in recovery for you. For sure. For sure. Okay, cool. Yeah. So, I mean, challenge in, in general, like it's been around for 30 years and um, has been doing these social and emotional learn, learning workshops um, in high schools and middle schools all over the country. They're in Europe. They've, they've been really Uganda, Canada. Um, but like after eight years ago, there was a TV show and Oprah had her hands on it for a little while and they've never really done any actual advertising. They've just like had that big boom 
there, and then from there, um, yeah, aren't like um, just so just really word of mouth. Um, but the program in itself is this really wild, amazing, fun, um, challenging, uh, like six and a half hour, seven hour day where young people kind of um, get together, young people and adults. Um, 125 total in the group, in a room, um, kind of get together and play and have fun and dance. Um, and then I, the sense of is if they feel safe enough to like play and have fun with themselves, feel safe enough to get real with us later on in the afternoon. Um, and it's just this kind of like emotional roller coaster, and it's so hard to describe in words you just kind of have to experience it yourself because it's so like all of a sudden we're playing and then all of a sudden um the young people are in these four to six people groups like dropping like like in the sense of like getting real with each other these young people that come it came into the room super suspect about me and my co-facilitator um and it's just kind of like magic where it's just like this really beautiful thing that happens um, and, and so this is all in the service of like, we're, we're creating a space for young people uh, that's safe enough to get real because in their normal day-to-day lives in high schools and middle schools, there's just like so terrified to be authentic, um, for all sorts of, um, you know, reasons that make sense, you know, uh, rejection and, uh, not belonging and all these things. Um, and so, so that's part of it is like, building connection, having a space to be authentic. Also, another part of it is really um, breaking the conditioning um, around separation um, and separating because of these superficial um, cultural-like things. Uh, what, what clothes you wear, the color of your skin, or the religion you practice or don't practice, the size and shape of your body, the, um, your sexual orientation, all these things that people are separating for um, and learning that, like, it's really inducing compassion and empathy. It's like, oh, this person that I've been hurting um, uh, has a, you know, a hard life or whatever, has a, between, you know, has a life full of joy and sorrow and everything in between. Um, and then they're also, we're also getting to see, because sometimes it's like an anti, it has this anti-bullying um, um connotation or whatever is just like oh challenge lady anti-bullying thing but it's really we're really even pointing to even the bully the meanest like biggest person that's like hurting people is is in a lot of pain that's so right really even pointing to that just like they're hurt people hurt people um yeah and so we're kind of we're helping induce compassion around that and so which brings them closer together and a room full of people on any other given day would have been hurting each other at the end it feels like a big family yeah that's beautiful that's really beautiful so you're basically creating a container in space to um, bridge gaps and open up authentically and are you finding that after you leave uh, and this is happening in junior highs and high schools and are you finding after you spend a day with the kids like that, the feedback is um, that this is like something that's sustainable and goes throughout the rest of the year for these children? Or are you finding that like coming back and revisiting helps continue the container? Or how does that exactly work? I think it's both. And, you know, so there's, you know, 
most of the time, 99% of the time, the adults in the community like care a lot about these young people to raise the money, to have us come in, and so they, they're the ones that help create the continuity. Oh, like, okay. We when we kind of set them up, like empower them, remind them how powerful they are, um, and then there's these... Um, the opportunity to create the Be The Change Club at the school. Um, oh, okay. So the, like, leaders and the yeah, people who were showing up um, in the day to start these things and to kind of keep it going throughout the school year. Okay, so then you're getting basically, like, the whole entire school on board to, like, support this change that's happening. Right. That's beautiful. Oh, I, I, for yeah. some reason I didn't um, put that piece together. But it's to- not the whole entire school. It's the... You see, this is the thing. It's like we can only we only do a hundred students in one day, right? And so we're sometimes we're going to schools that have thousands of kids in them. That's right. Right. So even like um, max, we get four hundred out of the thousand. So the reality is, they're going back into um, an environment where no one else has done a challenge day. Mm-hmm. Right. So it's so easy to get caught back into the cycle. But this is why the the continuity and creating the team and doing practices throughout the week and having this similar language. Um, and that's why, you know, young people um, turn to their peers for, really, for kind of how to show up. So that's why we get, like, some of the leaders and, and each kind of click to come and have some transformation so that they can um, bring that out to, to the um, their population out into the high school and middle school. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. So, like, they're being, yeah. the leaders are kind of being handpicked by, like, teachers and, or the facility. Yeah. Oh, okay, great. That's, yeah. that's beautiful. Um, yeah. Thank you. And, and just because we're, we don't have, like, endless time, I would like to um, make a transition into the other part of your being in the world and where you're passionate about, about the eight, the path. How, how, what did we say about that? Yes. Eightfold path and recovery, and, um, and and I'll say one last thing, just a plug for challenge. If you know, if there's anyone out there, they're always looking for adult volunteers. So if you're interested in doing a, a challenge day, just kind of look it up, and they they have like a map of where all the challenge days are in your local area. Um, so yeah, please look that up. Is that on uh, like challengeday.com? Challengeday.org. Oh, dot org. Okay, so challengeday.org. Okay, yeah. thank you. Cool. Um. So yeah, um, let's see, where do I start? I mean, so this idea of um, blending, you know, because I, when I got sober a little over 12 years ago, um, I landed into the 12 steps, I thought, you know, that's what there was, and, and it was cool, and it worked great for me, and, and I just didn't know that there was any other option. And as I started um, going through the 12 steps, um, there was an invitation to deepen your spiritual practice. There's a, there's a step in there, step 11, where it says uh, seeking or stop through prayer, um, prayer and meditation to improve your conscious contact. So um, in that time, I was introduced to Buddhism through um, Noah Levine's Dharma Punks book. Um, but prior to that, I had no, um, and, you know, no education on anything Eastern philosophy or anything. And so after reading that, there was just a really, um, I was really curious and interested in the practice and um, started doing that. Um, and so for years, um, they've been doing this thing like Buddhism and the 12 steps, how to correlate or how to translate the 12 step language into Buddhist language. And that's kind of how I started in the beginning. Um, and 
my colleagues and friends of mine who are practitioners and students of NOAA um, had been talking about, like, what about just using the Eightfold Path in and of itself? And it really was just a question. It's like, could that work? Um, and, it, and it was really just an experiment. So Noah wrote this book called Refuge Recovery, um, and we've been using that. And it's it's been beautiful. It's like blown up. There was just so many people hungry for an alternative to the 12-step model. Um, although for me, it's, it's very, you know, there's more similar than, than different. Um, but, um, you know, whatever um, blocks people have around um, language and right. just around trauma, around religion and all that stuff. Right. This was just something that gave them an opportunity to, to dive into some action, into some spiritual work um, without the uh, aversion of, for, for a certain language. So, um, so yeah, so we've been, we started Refuge Recovery, I don't know, it's almost been six years ago now, and it's spreading all over the world. And, um, and yeah, so it's really just taking the Eightfold Path, which, uh, the Four Noble Truths. Yeah, go ahead. Which, would you be able to break that down? Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. So the Four Noble Truths of Recovery, um, basically the, the traditional Four Noble Truths are um, acknowledging suffering uh, exists, right? So normalizing difficulties. Um, uh, second Noble Truth is um, craving uh, is a cause of suffering. Um, the third Noble Truth is there is a solution, basically. The cessation of suffering exists. And then the fourth noble truth is the, uh, lays out the map, the road map. It's like, is the Eightfold Path. And then Refuge Recovery is just saying, addiction creates suffering. Um, uh, that suffering is caused by um, craving. And that um, recovery is possible. The third noble truth is recovery is possible. And then, and then through through these, there's like inventories. Like the first noble truth inventory is riding down, taking a look, investigating in all the different ways that um, addiction has created suffering in your life. Oh, and so this, so like basically, yeah. you're taking you're taking these four um, what what I'm sorry, the four noble truths, and then you're uh-huh. you're meditating around them, and then you're taking inventory. On, am I correct right now? Yeah, yeah. yeah and then you're taking. Sure inventory on how these directly impact your life like just so getting to know yourself better like through meditation with the with the lens of the four noble truths oh this is beautiful this is beautiful yeah Yeah. and and obviously has a huge um formal sitting practice component right so a lot of the times just in my experience in the 12 steps that wasn't really that was just kind of take it or leave it because not a lot of people had a lot of information around how to meditate. Right? So, so this, every refuge recovery meeting, you're sitting 20 to 30 minutes before the meeting ever starts. So just like a huge Whoa. push towards daily practice. And, yeah. yeah, that's really beautiful. And then um, and then you said that um, kind of branches off into the eight path? Is that the eightfold path. So, um, you know, the first part of uh, the path is the wisdom piece. So wise understanding, wise intention. Then we have this middle part um, of the sila, or the ethics part, so wise action, wise speech, wise livelihood. The last part being the meditative part where it's wise effort, wise mindfulness, wise concentration. And all of those have a, um, like a reading to them and actions to take in all those things. So it's just like, um, yeah, breaking those down in, like, in a way that 
um, people can kind of bring that into their lives and practice that into their lives. Wow, that's really beautiful. I've um, so I I was raised Roman Catholic. I always joke around about being a recovering Roman Catholic, and I've meditated. <laughs> I know, I know, and um, I've meditated for a very long time, but I haven't studied traditionally at all. And I've kind of read um, some books about. The Eightfold Path, but for some reason, um, I'm dyslexic, first of all, um, and then for some reason, the books that I read, it was like I would get pieces of, of like, the message, but I couldn't put it all together, um, and I think that that's part, partially because of the way I learn isn't, like, through text. It's more experiential, and I haven't, for whatever reason, been – I've gone to a couple, like, um, Buddhist meditational meditation groups, but like they don't really break down the whole entire process, like in, you know, the hour talk. And so I've been kind of like, just wondering about it, just kind of it, just wondering about it. So thank you very much for breaking that down and um, sharing it with people, because I think a lot of people have this mo- movement and impulse um, about just like meditation right now, it's on the frithy, frothy edge of like, I think, um, the collective consciousness and it's even like making its way to the Midwest. And I think like when that movement starts happening, there's more questions that arise. And here I live in the epicenter of consciousness in California and I still, um, not sure about this. So thank you. You're welcome. Yeah. And, um, and that, that's kind of like, so where do you mind me asking a personal question about like, no, 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 please. so as a mental health practitioner, um, and then also kind of, um, somebody who believes, um, in healing, like true healing. And also, um, somebody who is fundamentally realizing at my age, um, cause I'm 39, I can't believe I just turned 39, um, that yeah. like, that even though I know I made it, (laughs) I'm I'm here. (laughs) Um, that like, although I believe in healing, it's, it's different than like my, um, original beliefs about what healing was and that like, we're still going to be rooted into like some core stuff that like maybe has this like power to continue to arise, like the fractal nature of like your wounding or whatnot. And, um, so I've been kind of like playing with the idea cause I work in the field and then I'm also on my own path of healing. Like, so what does that mean? Like, and yours particularly is struggling with addiction. Do you feel like you're actually free of it? Or do you think that this is kind of like an ongoing process for you or, like, or what has made that piece of healing easier for you? Um, like, what would you, what would you, like, share about that? Oh, sure. Um, yeah. So, you know, I haven't craved drugs and alcohol for almost 12 years. Like, that, the, the craving for that, like, kind of went away right away. But what I learned early on in recovery is that the, the things that I was doing, the things I was leaning out towards were just... Um, symptoms of uh, an internal imbalance, right? So it wasn't the drugs and alcohol that were the problem. It was how I viewed the world. It was like how I kind of, like, my dysfunctional relationship with pain. Mm. Right? So you take, you remove my medicine, you take away my medicine that I was using that was 
what we like to call the term like um, there's like it was unreliable refuge. Mm. Like I was turning towards these things and it was actually making things worse. So uh, once I was, had some abstinence around those things, I realized that I had a lot of internal work to do, right? The pain, the healing of the pain. Right. Um, and so that's a lifelong process. And if you, you know, we look at addiction um, or even this word craving or attachment, um, it's like everybody is addicted. That's, a, that's right. That, like, uh, they, you know, everyone has a mind that craves for more pleasure and craves for less pain. That's and that right. manifests in all different kinds of ways. Right, so, um, and because even addiction gets this really bad um, negative connotation, there's so much stigma around it, just the history of addicts and how oppressed they've been and just like, um, but it's just like, yeah, the Buddha, you know, was just talking about it's very, it's normal, yeah. biological, instinctual, um, and there's ways to retrain um, the body, mind, heart to like um, care about pain instead of hating it and have a non-attached appreciation to pleasure. Yeah, so when I'm so what I'm hearing you say is like basically your practice with meditation is what is helping you like shift and heal. Absolutely. Okay. Meditation alongside with ethical conduct behavior. It's like I had a had a really kind of like it's like meditation is this kind of internal work and this learning how to like this kind of mini microcosm um, but the, it's just like, how do I, like, kind of started the podcast is like being a good person. Like, I want to be a good person. That's right. And so that means I need to really pay attention on how, to how do I speak to people, um, my, my relational stuff, whether it's romantic or just personal, um, like all these things and how I'm showing up. Um, and you know, in Eightfold, uh, the Buddhism, there's this, uh, five precepts. It's like the minimal five things that we're really asked to pay attention to, um, which are like um, not causing harm, not killing, um, not, not stealing, uh, being wise with your speech, being wise with your sexuality, uh, and refraining from um, intoxicants that um, lead to heedlessness is the um, language um, from like the original text. But, you know, that can be um, <laughs> interpreted in many different ways. But, so. Yeah. No, that's beautiful. That's beautiful. I feel like, I don't know. I don't know. I always, I always feel like there's so much knowledge and beauty and places to go and, um, cocoon up into and, and just like, I don't know, something about this path has called to me for a long time and I haven't done anything with it, but like, as you speak, um, there's been like my own personal journey as I became a therapist and we had a three-year experiential program and um, a lot of my own personal healing was about uh, really taking responsible responsibility about what I say and what comes out of my mouth and um, not hurting another and refraining from engaging in things that I know that are harmful and so there's some type of like parallel, um, just innate wisdom, I think, in whatever the, the Buddha, you know, put into writing that like maybe is internally happening for everyone anyway, who's on a path of just trying to heal. And I like something about like you talking about that, like I feel in my heart that 
like there's something in there for me. And so if there's like, if, if there's something in there for me to like learn about, like just where, where do you suggest people like me turn to, to find like a community that resonates or a place to sit? Because I have my own personal practice that I do every day, but I don't have it with a community. Um, so a couple of things, like there's, you know, like I'm biased, you know, like against the stream, Dharma Punk is the community that I landed in and felt really, I feel really lucky to have landed in a really safe, um, um, community where the teachers, um, their hearts are on their sleeves. It's not a theoretical practice. They speak from the heart and from their lives and their irreverence. A lot of the times there's not a lot of like, um, Ritual, and this all worked for me, you know. Um, um, and there's, you know, if we're talking about different styles of learning, there's um, Against the Stream has um, podcasts, you know, they have their own um, podcast of listening for that's for a lot of the times when I'm driving, is that's what I'm listening to is Dharma talks. Um, and so there's, yeah, so there's like, you know, looking for your community, and Against the Stream may not be the one for you, but going and um, seeking out different you know, communities and seeing which resonates with you and uh, the style of teaching and um, the community and, um, yeah. Yeah, so, so like, for the people who don't live in California against the stream, I'm hearing has podcasts, so that's, yeah, like, something. Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. And then... Uh, against the stream in New York and Nashville um, and uh, in Boston now. But, yes, yeah, so podcasts, for sure. Podcasts. And then, and then and there's... Live streaming, even, of, a, of classes, like, uh, live streaming... Uh, on Monday nights of a class in San Francisco. Okay, that's great to know. And then um, the other elements about looking for a community, which it's it's the traditional words called sangha, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Would be, so you're saying that like... um, all the all different communities are kind of ran differently. So like you're just looking at like what innately fits it with you. So some communities are going to have more rituals, like the traditional rituals, and some communities won't. Um, so basically, while I'm looking for myself and people who are interested in um, exploring, these are these are aspects that like will change from um, place to place. Correct. Right. Okay. And Against the Stream is a Theravadan uh, tradition from uh, the Thai forest, you know, like that's the lineage of Jack Cornfield and Ajahn Chah, but then there's Zen Buddhism and there's Mahayana Buddhism and there's all these things. So actually, um, I think his name is Rodney Smith or um, there's just a book called um, Buddhism and it just kind of breaks down all the different types of um, sex and where it all comes from and originates and how it broke off into different branches and you know someone can educate oneself on that and um, which tradition kind of uh, calls to them the most yeah I appreciate I appreciate that I think that that's where some of like um, so I was in the transpersonal program at JFK and like that there's like some overlapping principles that um, we briefly touched on. And then that's, I think also where some of my confusion came in because like, even though there's overlapping principles, then there's like definitely places they diverge. And honestly, like I kind of felt a little bit overwhelmed. I'm, I'm kind of a person who like, if something innately um, calls to me and I happen to synchronistically fall into it, um, I'll do it. But like, having to 
like sort out and unpack all of these different things. Like sometimes I'll just be like, ah, oh, never mind. It will come when it's supposed to come. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's what would have happened for me. That's why I feel so lucky to have landed um, synchronistically, I guess you could say, into the right place. Yeah. So thank you. So what was that book again that breaks it down? Um, it's, it's um, I'm trying to think of, it's Novak and Smith, two co-authors, um, both scholars, um, and it's, I, I believe it's called, um, uh, it's Buddhism, a concise review, uh, but I wouldn't quote them, but I know Novak and Smith are the authors. Well, I appreciate that. Thank you. Yeah. And I'm sure uh-huh. anybody who's interested in listening, that yeah. will be like a, at least a good starting spot. Yeah. Um, so thank you. I appreciate it. And thank you very much for sharing what you're doing in the world. It's beautiful. It's, it's inspiring and congratulations, um, just by just being in the world and like being able to like authentically talk about your struggles because a lot of people, this just carries so much shame and, and we're all human and we go through it. And I think from um, a place of healing, we need to talk about our struggles because we're all in some type of struggle. And I think that helps one another um, reach out and like hold what's true and then it doesn't go into the shadow. And so thank you. Thank you so much for sharing, um, part of your your life you're welcome thank you for having me thank you and um have a wonderful day and thank you anybody who's interested in more podcasts like this please like me on facebook under coleology or my website will be up and running soon www.coleology.com thank you very much and have a wonderful day